Well, good afternoon, everybody, or whatever time it is that you're watching this thing. And welcome back to Pathfinder Unscripted, uh, where we talk about the things that we wouldn't necessarily say from the pulpit, but hopefully have some thoughtful conversation that can spur some things on for you as well. Uh, we're joined today by Sean, one of a, just a person at our church uh, who um, is just also a thoughtful guy and is willing to say what is on his mind, which is one of the things I like most about you, Sean. So oh, that's funny. It's one of the things my wife hates most about me. So. <laughs> Uh, and then we've got Dion as well. And so we're wrapping up Prosper the City. It's a series where we've been focusing on how we as God's children are called to be agents of blessing and prosperity to the people around us, whether they're part of our tribe or not. And, uh, and that that's kind of irrelevant to, to the role we're called to play. And so as we uh, we're finishing up the series, we talk about the difficulty of trying to be a, a source of prospering and blessing when you yourself are in a hard season. Uh, or when you're feeling like you're in the middle of a shipwreck uh, yourself. So just as we kick off, guys, any anything stick out, jump out to you um, from the message this weekend that was just um, that was helpful or challenging or you know, worth bringing up. Sean, <laughs> you look like you had something to say, Dion. No, I was waiting. I was waiting for. Uh, oh. you're the guy who says what's on his mind. So, oh no, I mean, I I thought it was good. Um, you know, I I've. Recently, Doug and I, you know, we've kind of talked through. I had a shipwreck come up in the past uh, few weeks myself um, that, you know, definitely was trying on on myself and the and the family uh, as I as I got sick with a you know this certain virus that people may or may not have heard about. Um, and so, you know, it, it it was tough, and and you know, there was a a lot of of trying times for the family and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, you know, we got through it, and you know, we're probably maybe even a little little better for it we all got to spend you know some more time together some of us spent more time apart uh and you know various stuff like that um but you know one of the things that kind of struck me that cracked me up thinking about like this idea of waiting until the time is right to take action on something was it reminded me of a conversation i just had with a buddy that was talking about we were talking about dieting we we're talking about you know going to the gym and that sort of stuff he's like yeah you know i've i've started start dieting and, and trying to do a little better. I, I definitely want to lose a little, little weight before I go back to the gym. And it just seems so counterproductive. <laughs> right. I mean, like, but it was, it's this idea of like, I want to, I want to lose a little weight, make my body feel a little bit better before I go and, you know, punish it at the gym and stuff. Whereas if you just freaking go, you're just, you're going to have that, that progress so much faster. Well, and you know what? I feel like that's the attitude I hear a lot of people have about church as well, that they, you know, I just want to get my life cleaned up a little bit and then I'll go back to church. And, <laughs> and yeah, in the same way, like that, that would actually be a thing that might help <laughs> start where you are. Doug, you can tell we're two pastors here. That was exactly what I was thinking is, is Sean was saying that I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard people would kind of espouse that same attitude toward church, but. Yeah, one person yeah. in particular. Well, was Sean, I'm to... glad you're doing okay, man. That's yeah. like you just kind of just like drop stuff all casually. You're just like, oh yeah, by the way, blah blah blah. Yeah, it was it was it was uh it was weird. It's no idea where it came from, but uh, you know we we uh, you know had to obviously stay home. It was about the kids out of school for a couple weeks, and uh, you know so we're trying to trying to work. Obviously, you know working from home, so it didn't impact my work ability really much. And and so my wife's trying to work from home. I'm trying to work from home. I'm down the basement by myself and uh, the kids, you know, we can't, 
you know, we're, anytime we go outside, if we see neighbors come outside, we're trying to go inside, you know, they're, they're trying to go inside and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, definitely a, wow. a shipwreck of, of epic proportions for a couple of weeks, but, in, but ultimately, you know, came out far better than, you know, a lot of people yeah. and, and grateful for that and, and yeah. you know, all of that. Praise God. Well, I'm wondering is, before the age of on-demand television content, how did people get through being sick? Like, what did you do when you were just bedridden for you know a week or two weeks? Uh, a lot of lot of a uh, lot of switch. Um, <laughs> yeah, luckily, I bought a new. I had gotten a uh, a bonus from work. I I we had a, I'd won a contest at work, so I bought a new Nintendo Switch game. So played played that. Um, you know. Th- watched more football than I'd watched in a long time. Uh, just, you know, Sunday and Monday and, and, uh, just, yeah, just a lot of Netflix and Hulu and all that sort of stuff. It, it got really boring. You know, it seems like one of the greatest things ever, right? Like, yeah. Oh my like, gosh. Oh, I, am, yeah. I am not allowed to, I'm not allowed to see the kids. I'm not, or, you know, not allowed to do anything other than sit in the basement by myself. And, you know, it sounds like that's just the dream. And I mean, yes. Other than maybe, you know, the first half a day where I'm like, hey, this is kind of nice. I'm going to, you know, I had big plans. I'm going to watch all the Avengers movies. I think I got halfway through the first one. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up a show and watch it and didn't do it. It, it. And instead just sat there and felt sorry for myself and was bored and really wanted to do nothing more that's been, but spend time with my family. There's some sort of ironic lesson in that, you know, this like like Adam Sandler movie Click, you know, where you you learn that the thing you were you were trying to to have is actually not what you wanted and all that. But, <laughs> but yeah, good good life lesson, right? Yeah, but you yeah. you really were in a very specific shipwreck dealing with that mm-hmm. this week more than I think maybe I think I feel like I'm in like a general shipwreck, like just it's a hard season and a hard time yeah. for everybody, but it's more of a vague general thing. Whereas you had like very specifically like just this thing to get through. It wasn't wasn't planning for it, you know. Had yeah. you know, in, in fact, was planning to avoid it, and did you know? And that's the thing that sucked too was that you know, I I really feel like I did everything I could to avoid it. You know, I I, I I'm very you know mask heavy, and in fact, the uh, uh, the the week I got it, and possibly even you know right around the day I got it, I had been accepted into the COVID vaccine trial and uh, mm. got got a shot for that. You know, but it it it, it was too late. I mean, I hate to connect some dots here, but <laughs> you're saying no, I'm like, it, way? It, it, no, it, it, I test, I, they, they did a, a test prior to giving me the shot, which was positive. So they, oh, okay. they did not oh, okay. give me gotcha. the, the virus. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't even have known otherwise. Your symptoms were, were so mild that if you hadn't had to get a, a test for the sake of this trial you were in, you would never have even gotten uh, known. Actually, I probably would have te- gotten tested a couple of days sooner, um, but I was, a lot of stuff was going, Oh, you know what? I, I think that's probably just from the shot. You know, I'm tired and run down. I, that, 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 that's what they say that that happens. And then I woke up and had no sense of smell or taste and went, huh, this is weird. And yeah. Uh, are they back yet, by the way? No. Okay. So this is the time to let your wife make that recipe that you hate. And, and then you can just stomach it down more usually than, than normal. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of eating just for the sake of eating, you know, mm-hmm. but so sorry, I, I totally did not mean to derail this conversation. No, um, it's it's a uh, not your It's your shipwreck. Yeah, it is very very much a the, the shipwreck. Well, and I feel like the thing that I've I, I've just in the couple of days since since this weekend's message, 
I feel like it's really spoken to a lot of people because I've been hearing a lot of shipwreck stories in the last three or four days. And it's just a lot of people saying, this is what I'm, and I feel like it gave them permission to share, this is what I'm going through. And this is this hard thing. And, and I just have been more than usual, more than the typical message. People have just really been coming out of the woodwork to tell me this is the hard thing. And, you know, th- thanks for, you know, this was a timely message for me. And, so yeah, so which so it. often you you we all kind of and I, sorry I think I cut you off again yeah. beyond but so often we all try to fly under the radar with those things right you know like we just just yeah that's that's my problem let me you know I, I don't need to mm-hmm. talk about it with anybody else and you know the, but thinking about it hearing about it just having a something to call it right like just not just right. like the the bad time you know but be like oh yeah you know what that is my shipwreck. And, you know, just having something to kind of relate it to, I think, is, was, was, is helpful. Well, on that note, Dion, you're the one that picked yeah. the, the text. And, and uh-huh. I really found that exact thing that Sean said, that I'm not used to necessarily speaking about these things as shipwrecks, is like using that language. But I felt like that, that very literal application of, of a metaphorical concept has been really helpful for me and, as Sean said, for other people, too, that to just be able to call it what it is, um, I think maybe also makes people feel less guilty or less ashamed about not being able to deal with something because yeah. shipwrecks to shipwreck like no one's no one should feel guilty or bad you know i mean unless you were the pilot that steered it into the iceberg <laughs> or something you know, but but by and large right we're not responsible for the the shipwrecks that happened to us those are bigger than than us and yeah. um, i think maybe it gives people permission to just to admit that it's hard and to figure out that they need help in the middle of it yeah there were a couple things that i, I think i appreciated most or more about the message. One of them, and, and maybe that's the shipwreck metaphor that, uh, and, you, and you called this out in your message that shipwrecks tend to, they tend to happen slowly. Mm. Um, there, you know, it's not a car accident where it's like all of a sudden, boom. And it's this, you know, even if you steer it into an iceberg, there's the warning bell and there's the scrape and there's the, Oh, what's going to happen. And, you know, it's, we know there was a long movie about that once that um, just kept going. And, uh, and in, in the case of Paul's shipwreck, you know, it was this thing that just, and another thing and another thing. And I think that's part of, I think that's part of what connected it for me. Um, you know, I, I've heard people in years past talk about like, oh, you know, I think even 2019 people were complaining about 2019. I'm glad to say about 20. I was like, nothing was wrong with 2019. Like 2019 was fine. 2020, like I'm never going to be more happy to put a, a, like I was thinking the other day, fantasizing about having a funeral service for 2020. Like New Year's Eve will be a funeral service for 2020. And I don't even care what 2021 brings. I'm just glad to put 2020 behind, but it's been, it's been kind of this slow unfolding of like, Oh, Oh gosh, this is bad. Oh, it's getting worse. And I think maybe that's part of the metaphor that worked and part of Paul's story that worked. Um, but the other thing that I really appreciated that you said, Doug, and you shared the quote about, you know, or the, the narrative, whatever it was from the excerpt about, you know, you, you're kind of waiting for life to begin. And then you realize that life, life is those things. And I think then you said something like, and I'll get it wrong, but life is just kind of a series of shipwrecks. What did you actually say? Was that no, it? That's, that's literally what I said. Okay. Life is a series of shipwrecks. That's good. I'm glad I didn't. Get the, you're like that's actually not what I said. So um, yeah, well, yeah, so like the that, most poignant uh, thing is the thing that you never said. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that and that happened. I mean, you that just happens. Said, yeah, happens. I'd say fully a third of the time, I get an yeah. email from someone like, "Oh, I love this part of the sermon where you said that." And I'm like, "I didn't say that," but I'm yeah. so glad that, that I'm so glad that the thing you heard 
was meaningful. So, so that was it for me is, yeah, 2020 has been a hard year and I've just kind of gone through some stuff. And I mean, um, and so I definitely connected with, oh, this is a worse moment. But I, I mean, I've in ministry, especially my wife can tell you, I live my life just being like, hey, I think once you get over this hump, it's going to get better. And it changes, it gets different, but there's, there's always something. And, um, and instead of being like, gosh, what's, you know, what's happening? Oh, this is awful. There's somebody that just is like, Hey, this is, this, it's acceptance. It's like, this is what life is. And maybe God is in the shipwrecks. I think he is. Well, I, th- I think that's the, the secret to, um, to mod- maybe it's just modifying expectations, you know, that, that yeah, you, you think that it's going to get better. And, and I, and I hope I communicated this well, but that, I think on the surface that seems like a really cynical truth that, you know, like that, you know, the, that, that author, you know, saying that, you know, um, the obstacles were my life and or me saying that life is a series of shipwrecks. Like, I hope that didn't come across as like really cynical or pessimistic because for me, that really has been liberating. That really has completely changed the way I view. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's going to get better. Gonna, and, and yeah, everything was just waiting, waiting for this thing to get better. And then there was always just a, a different way that it was worse or a different way that it was challenging. And, and so, yeah, that quote actually really helped me. Uh, so I hope it came across that way for other people too. Um, quick side note that I don't know if other people will be curious about, maybe you guys can help me. I rarely these days come across like the end of the knowledge that the internet can help me find. I read that quote probably like 10 years ago. And I was really gratified that I was like, I just remembered enough keywords, you know, that I Googled it. And sure enough, you know, it was first, I was like, oh good, I remember just enough of it. I was able to find it. Here's what's blowing my mind, though. It's it's credited. So I put unknown. It's not te- technically unknown. If you if you Google that quote right now, it'll say that it's by someone named Alfred D'Souza, who, as near as I can tell, does not exist and has never existed. And the only evidence that it's by him is Pinterest boards and like weird devotional blogs. And they'll spell the name wrong. Some people say it's D apostrophe Sousa. Some say mm. it's D period. Like it's his middle initial Sousa. And I try and look him up and there's no record of anyone of that name ever existing. And, you know, but, but again, these. This is right blogs, for like a Netflix documentary, like an investigative documentary. Yeah, because they actually got the quote right. Like the, the, or the consistent. Like everywhere you go, I look at a bunch of places. It's the same wording. It's not just like some inner internet consciousness thing that's gotten memed or whatever. But the name is messed up, and there's no evidence he existed. But isn't that kind of just a metaphor for the information that we have anyway? Like, we have so much information at our hands, but it's always inconsistent. It's always half right, especially around all this COVID stuff. Like, it's always changing. It's always we, – we have it, but we don't really know it. And I think that, I think that just is a, just a metaphor for just – finding crap on the internet as it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a Facebook, you know, meme somewhere that then goes to Pinterest and just gets butchered and, and, you know, everywhere. No, that's exactly right. It's, it's a weird age that we're in where, where so much is at our fingertips. And yet if it's not sourced, if it's not, um, and Wikipedia has gotten so much better that so much on Wikipedia has direct sources. I mean, you you click to it, I mean, it's got the news article or it's got the, the, you know, the link to the online birth certificate. I mean, it's got all these things. And and I, I think I've gotten spoiled that, in the midst of the Pinterests and the Facebooks and the memes that, that are just truly viral out of the ether, you know, collective consciousness, that there is this bedrock of actual first source, you know, primary source information. And to just have it not be there just really 
just really threw me. I was like, boy, everyone really thinks that there's this guy. And, and a couple of people even said, he's an Australian writer and philosopher. And I'm like, okay, where'd you get that from? Like, if he's a writer, he's, he must have published a book. So I'm on Amazon. Nope, like, I'm he just published it. that quote. That's Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's good enough to be considered a writer and philosopher is that, that one, you know. And but yeah, so it was just this very odd. I, I just, I'm so not used to having debt. Or even, I mean, just to share this, on the flip side, I'd read an article probably 10 years ago about that airplane crash in Tenerife that had just kind of stuck in my memory, uh, you know, of these people that just could have escaped but just didn't have the right information. Um, they just sat there, you know, paralyzed by their fear. And um, and it was so gratifying because, again, I just remembered a couple of details. I didn't I didn't know at the time that it was this Tenerife crash. I was just like, oh, it was this crash in like the 70s. And, and I remember just enough. And, and then that one, sure enough, I was able to find – original like that those photos i shared those are like the original photos from the from the newspaper that covered it and i'm like that's what i'm used to that this is a newspaper article from 40 years ago and i can i can have access to it with a few clicks i can find it and see the original pictures what do reference librarians do these days that was just their whole thing right to find obscure was it like microfiche yeah microfiche yeah, right? man <laughs> So I remember reading the Born Identity books and they were so modern. Like I really was, I mean, like they could have taken place today and, but then they went and had to find microfiche. And I was like, what the heck is like everything else worked. Everything else. I was like, Oh, that works. That works. And then suddenly they have to go to the library for microfiche. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the reference librarians are the ones who have to enter it in Dion. Like they're actually slacking on the job. It's, it's their oh. job to scan all this stuff so that it's available on the internet for gotcha. when, when pastors okay. want to preach about something gotcha. so that we can, we can have that at our fingertips. So anyway, if anyone knows, this is also within a call to action. If anyone knows who the heck Alfred D'Souza was, if anyone can find any primary source material that he existed and he was truly an Australian writer and philosopher, please email me. I would love to know. Pathfinder mug for you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to record yourself on this process of discovery, it could make, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's got the makings of like a mysterious Netflix docudrama. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it really would. Like, let's like, let's find this guy. Like, what, yeah. what's? I mean, there's got to be some weird trying to hide stuff from us there. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, someone's covering up their you know the trail of this guy, right? <laughs> well, it is a thing. Just to say this, um, I really do work hard not to ever like just source random, random things from the internet. You know, that like if I am going to share a quote or, um, you know, I, I try to make sure that it's not like you know. You know, it's a, you know, there's um there's this meme about you know inspirational quotes from the Bible and and the quote is um you know cast yourself from the from the rocks and God will and God will save you you know and then and then the meme is like you know inspirational quote less inspirational when you know who said it because it's a right. quote from the devil from the devil yeah. trying to trick Jesus <laughs> uh, and uh, and so I, I very, one way I take preaching seriously is I really want to work hard to make sure that if I am quoting someone or something that that I know who they are I know what they're about that I'm that it's not like a David Koresh quote or you know some you know, serial <laughs> killer you know because a lot of these guys they put out some interesting writings and it circulates in weird ways and um, or, you know, it, it's something's attributed to somebody, but it was actually originally said by someone else 30 years before. And so I really want to do my own due diligence and make sure that anything I, I quote is sourced and is, is verifiable and that you can, you can trust that, you know, that, that I'm not just sharing memes and whatever. And so I was really bothered when I, when I tried to figure out who this Alfred D'Souza guy was. And that's why I went with unknown. Uh, cause I was like, better, better to go with unknown than to perpetuate this myth that some guy named Alfred D'Souza ever existed. And I don't know if he did. So anyway, so there's a behind. Regardless, I did not find it cynical or um, 
Yeah, I, I actually found it to be true. And um, yeah, there are, you know, I, I love Ecclesiastes for the description of different seasons. And there's a, you know, there's, there's this time for to tear down and a time to mend. I mean, there, there's, you know, all the balance of stuff, but um, to stop, um, or in the words of the New Testament, is it first Peter? Um, you know, like to act as if something strange is happening to you, or is this, is this James? Um, it's some about one of those chapters about, or one of those books about suffering. It's either first Peter or James, I think, but just to, to assume that times of suffering, difficulty being shipwrecked, like, Oh, this is so strange. You're like, no, I mean, this is kind of life. This is what happens. This is especially what happens to those who are trying to follow God, you know, like, uh, the, the prosperity gospel and this idea that if you trust God, life will be easy. Um, the Bible doesn't only not make the promise that life will be easy. It actually says the opposite, that if you're following God, a lot of life is going to be hard. doesn't mean it's not going to be good. And it doesn't mean it's not for growth, but it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And so you look at Paul's life and you're like, if you just put the biography of Paul before someone and you're like, Hey, is this what you aspire to? This is what it means to be a Christian. And you fronted the life, you know, before the, the, you know, the story or the name, like people would be like, no, thank you. I'm not signing up for that. Um, but there's some, again, rather than being cynical or negative, you look, you look at the deeper picture of Paul and you look at the hope that he had. I mean, I, I go through a hard time and I feel like I'm about to crack. Um, I go through a betrayal and I'm just like, I'm never going to trust anyone again. And Paul had been through all of that and more. And he's just kind of like, there are moments where you see the stress showing, but he just maintains such such a hope and such a confidence and an in, in, in infectious courage. And so I look at Paul that way and I go, the bi- biography of his life is pretty miserable. The substance of who this guy was like, who doesn't want that for life? Who doesn't want that kind of like core stability and, um, and hope and courage and, you know, infectious belief, faith, like, um, and I realized like, oh, that's how that stuff comes. Like Paul wasn't just, you know, didn't come out the shoot with all those things in him. Those things were formed over the course of all this stuff. So my thing lately is just, yeah, you know, back to our last series, things, losses need to be grieved and this is hard and we need to acknowledge that. And, oh, this sucks. But then my next thing is, but it's okay. Cause I'm going to grow. Like, I know God's going to do that. He's going to make me grow. And I'm, I'm going to try to lean into it. I'm going to try to be a willing participant in the growth. And th- to me, that's what makes it okay. Doug, it's like yeah. in, uh, you know, you watch the West Wing or watched the West Wing. And it's, that's the, the motto, right? What's next? Yeah, 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 right. What's next? Yeah, you, don't, you don't, don't dwell on the victories and you also don't dwell on the losses. You just you move on. Uh, what's next? Um, or the, the, the metaphor I was thinking of as Dion was talking was uh, I'm just now finally getting around to the last dance documentary. Uh, Sean, I assume you watched it. Yes. Uh, most of it. Yeah. Okay. Dion, seen any of it? Okay. No, it's about, it's about the bulls final, final not, the, not the movie with Julia Stiles. <laughs> I'm assuming because I've one. seen that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that final dance number. I, yeah. I really can't watch a documentary about the Chicago bulls because I am, I grew up in, 
Detroit area. That's right. So, I mean, man. I'm like I'm I'm Detroit bad Pistons boys, bad boys, man. Not, not forget the Bulls. I will tell you, the third episode, bad boys get some. They get some screen time and they get some some grudging respect and admiration. Just, okay, well, just because maybe I'll watch maybe I'll watch that part. Yeah, just watch episode three. Don't watch any of <laughs> the other ones. But what was so fascinating to me was I think if you ask anyone, would you like to be Michael Jordan? Would you like to be Scottie Pippen? Would you like to be Dennis Rodman? You know, would you like to be a world famous you know superstar athlete? And, and people, I think most people would say, you know, if they don't think about it, most people would say yes. But then you, you really dive into their lives and they all went through like really tough. I mean, you just use the metaphor of today, shipwrecks. I mean, just constant. And, and I, I'd always known the story that Michael had gotten cut from his high school team at one point. Like that was kind of part of his lore. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't realized the same was true for Scotty. The same was true for Dennis. Like they were not originally high powered guys. They didn't grow into their, into their builds until late which meant that for junior, their formative junior high and high school years, they were always struggling, always not the biggest or the strongest. They had to learn this perseverance and this work ethic. And then later on grew into the, the, the physical giftings, but that they developed a work ethic the way that the people that were always physically gifted, the way that the people that started out stronger yeah. and better and faster, they just didn't have to do that. And then- Hey, and if you think that's something, I mean, you should watch the documentary about Julia Stiles and see what she went through. <laughs> I mean- I mean, her interracial boyfriend and, you know, leaving Juilliard. Yeah, so many, so many hard things for Julia You Stiles. know some things actually, I'm, I'm impressed. There is, is there a documentary out there? No, it's just, just more Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Gotcha. The, the movie. Okay. I have I think, seen no, like the actual character. I was like, that's like bio, biographical. I've seen yeah, it I too. Actually, what's happened to Julia Stiles? Like she was everywhere for like six yeah. years and now nothing. So that I will be Wikipediaing later. So, Cause she was my age. So that, that was, she was like movie crush for me. Cause like she was in all the high school and college movies right when I was in high school and college. So. And things I hate about you rewatched it not too long ago. It holds up it's still very good. Um, mm-hmm. RIP Heath Ledger. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. We're back. Yeah. Julia Stiles research aside, I'll be, I'll be Googling later. Um, this, this podcast yeah. has gone off the deep end a little bit. <laughs> every time you're on Sean, which is why I like having you every time. <laughs> um, at least we're not talking about uh, impossible burgers this time. I think that was one of the last times you were on. Uh, we got yeah. off on that one. But yeah, I, so I think on, on the shipwreck thing, I think one of the things I shared, I'd be curious to hear you guys' thoughts, is that uh, I, the part of what I'm trying to grapple with is these is these things that we un, unconsciously put our hope in just because we've always had them, you know, so you you just always, you don't realize that you've, you've, you've put your hope in your own physical health until you suddenly get sick and, and suddenly life's different. And, and I think one of the things for me is just this idea of stability. Like, I think I, I really have taken for granted that by and large being an American, certainly a white American in the, in the 20th century, I haven't really had to deal with shipwrecks the way anyone else. And I mean, you talk about, I mean, let alone Paul. And I mean, but, but pick a time, anytime. Oh before. gosh. Yeah. I, I had a thing on Instagram. Someone yesterday was like telling me the story of their grandpa who was not a Jew, but ended up in a, in a camp in um, it wasn't in Germany or maybe it was Austria And like before that, he was hiding his mom. He's like an 11 year old kid hiding his mom in the ground covered by a mattress and putting dirt over it because she was like sick and they were going to put her to death. And so he had to like hide his mom. And then, you know, they came over, escaped somehow to got to Egypt or something. I mean, it was like this epic story ended up eventually in Chicago, opened up a dry cleaning business. I mean, that was like this kid's story of 
and I'll go just like, oh, that's that's what a hard life looks like. That's probably, and maybe that's more of a normal life. Maybe that's not even a hard life. I mean, it seems hard my comparison. I'm like, maybe that's more the average thing. And that just is a testimony to how light and momentary my trials have been. Anyway, just well, yeah, as you're saying that, I was, I was just, like, well, I was just having that same thought as we were talking earlier and, and just going, you know, this is, it's kind of rough. This is three, you know, 30 to 40 year old white guys talking about how hard life can be. And sure. That, I mean, we clearly have advantages that a lot of people don't, um, you know, but I think that's part of, yes, Doug, the world is shaken this year. I mean, but at the same time, I have an understanding a better understanding of what other people go through the likes of which I have never had before, uh. you know? And, and so there's, there's definitely some benefits to that. I mean, there, the, some, a lot of my views of the world in the past year and a half to two years have shifted on in great levels because of the fact that not because of the sufferings that I have had, but because I have been more exposed to the sufferings of others mm. and the, everyday life and interactions of what people who are not like me have to go through. And I think that that's, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough and all that sort of stuff, but you know, at the same time, like I'm trying to figure out what can I do to help people because yeah, I am, I have it, I have advantages that, you know, a lot of people don't have. Well, I think that's a beautiful and powerful point, Sean. And, and it hits something I didn't say this weekend, but I want to bring up now based on what you're saying, but that I was really grappling with this lighthouse concept, this idea of, I think, as a Christian, mm -hmm. uh, and, and in, in a lot of good ways, I've heard people talk about, you know, churches are supposed to be lighthouses and churches are lighthouses. And, and if we lose the vision, you know, that we're, we're proclaiming the light of the gospel. And if we forget that, if we become a country club instead of a lighthouse and, but, but one of the, but exactly to your point th that I'm, I'm grappling with on the, this thing too is, I think one of the problems of, of seeing yourself as the lighthouse is there, there also then is, is such a, a, a separatedness. And then I think ultimately a judgment then of people that are on the shipwrecks, because you start to be like, we got our act together. Like we're fine. Like we're up here. And, and if you're in a shipwreck, it must be your fault. It must be because of something you did. And, and I think getting, getting you, me, us out of our, out of our comfort zone and into some shipwrecks of our own, I, I think it increases empathy and compassion. And I think that's a big part a, a positive of everyone being in a shipwreck for a little bit this year, because it's been such a hard year uh, is that I think I'm hoping that maybe it gets people a little bit less in that, in that just, you know, kind of evaluating, appraising whether other people deserve to be in the predicament that they're in or not. Hmm. I think it goes one or two ways. I mean, you're, we're seeing it though, because there's, there's a lot of people where they're digging in on, you know, their, their beliefs and, and, you know, even right, wrong or indifferent, they're digging into it and not wanting to listen, only listening to what they want to hear and not wanting to hear other, other sides of arguments. And that's, a, again, such a big problem with, with the information that we have is, is you can always find any bit of information that backs up what you're, what you already believe. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think, the like where is my hope and where does my help come from i think is uh is something that you know i've been preaching for a long time um in church that it's easy 
it's easy to say, yeah, my trust is in Jesus while I have all kinds of other safety nets in my life. And while I have a certain level of security, um, I've always admired um, people who I, I think about being on the mission field and meeting pastors who, you know, they're not getting a salary from the church. They're just called to spread the gospel. They're, you know, scraping by, they're trying to feed their families. No one's paying them. They're just trying to eke out a living. They're being threatened by local police for, for being people of faith or being persecuted by the, you know, the village because they're in the minority. And I've just thought about those people being like, whoa, that's those people, you know, when they say they trust in Jesus and Jesus is Lord, um, that's, that's a whole different level. Um, so for me, it just, uh, I, I've aspired to be someone who really does like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like the songs that we sing that, the foundations of the world can be shaken, but I, like I, I know where my hope comes from, and I know where my hope is placed. And I think I think this has been a good stress test for us um, as Christians to say, yeah, okay, let's let's shock the system a little bit, and and then you know, is all of a sudden life filled with dread and panic? And I think that's normal, you know, even in a stress test, you know, it's like stuff starts shaking, you, you start to go, wait a minute, but then ultimately, like. How do, how do you react and respond? And I think what the last year has shown is that we, we've got some work to do on really you know, putting our, our money where our mouth is on where's our hope at the end of the day and where does our help come from? And I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are um, angry and scared right now because rather than realizing like, oh, I've put my hope and I'm looking for my help from a place that's not secure or that's maybe foolish of me to do, they're angry at the, you know, at the thing for not being able to come through for them. And that means, you know, government or systems or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm surprised at how, how a, and I, never mind, I'm not going to say it. Well, what I'll say is, I think as you're talking, Dion, uh, and I don't want to skip ahead to an initiative, but, um, but I, I know we're talking about as a church, kind of backing off on some social media stuff for a little bit. And I think one of the things is, when you're physically in a shipwreck with someone, I mean, you're there's no way to I think to not feel a sense of banding together. You know, I mean, like there's no better way to you know you're you're in the Alamo and there's soldiers all around and you're like, <laughs> we're in this together, you know, one way or another, like this is not the time to be like, Hey, you like stole my boot the other day. Like, like you, you got to put those things aside uh, because just the, the clear and present danger around you just reminds you. And I think um, as you're, as you're both are talking about, you know, why some people surround, you know, you know, don't feel compassion or empathy. I, I think it's because when you're not physically confronted with people um, and I think about, you know, some of the stuff that's being said online right now, like it's stuff that I know people would never say like, Sean, <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're bigger than me, man. There's stuff I would not say to you. <laughs> if you were actually in the room with me, uh, you know, and that, but, you know, but behind a screen, behind a username, it becomes so easy. And I, and I think the other piece of it is that we, we don't have that, um, just that very visceral thing of, of, of when you're, when you're with someone, Oh, you're scared. Oh, you're hurting. Oh, you're, you're not sure how you're getting out of your shipwreck. And we don't see any of those things. Instead, like you say, Sean, we get to pick and choose and sift which information we want to have. And it's either information that makes us feel more secure or makes us feel like we have a right answer. And, and I think that maybe that's one of the things that's that's undoing what otherwise would be an opportunity to band together and to try and get through a hard time together. Yeah, and maybe that is the beautiful part of all this is that 
it's not a one-sided compassion or empathy. Like I, I think everyone right now is worthy of compassion and empathy. You know, it's not yeah. haves and haves nots and, Oh, now I, now I recognize my privilege. And, you know, like, I think at this point, it's just a time where we need unprecedented compassion for each other. We're all enduring stuff that's scary and hard. And I mean, you're just like, wow. Yeah, Sean, you've been really careful. And all of a sudden you get a virus and you're like, wait, what? Like, I've been so careful. I've been so responsible. And yet that's the reality of it. And some people have, if you said it fared way worse. And I just think like, gosh, I wish, I wish, but I, you know, yeah, I just wish we could um, all see each other as people who are worthy of compassion. You know, there's not a side in anything who's not worthy of of just some compassion because it's really hard for everybody. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a key thing that's been on my mind in all of this too. That, um, yeah, I don't actually have anything more to add. I think that's exactly right, Dion. I think that's where so much of the problem is that we're that we're not seeing people as needing of compassion. We're seeing them. Maybe even if, to stick with the metaphor of the week. Maybe it's even that that we're um, we're too quick to blame some you know blame the people or the other side for the shipwreck. Right? Maybe maybe that's a piece of this that needs to get. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, like oh, you shouldn't have. What, why why'd you go out in the Why'd you go out in the in the sea? You know, you you, you yeah. saw the weather report. You got you got the app. Why'd you go out there? Yeah. Uh, well, and yeah, I mean, on the COVID thing, I mean, that's the first thing that happens. Like, you say you have COVID, and people are like, "Well, what'd you do?" Oh, oh, that's that's why I never do that. I never do that. You know, like immediately, it's just like, gosh, because it seems it just seems. And this is my thing, I guess, is it seems too scary that you can do everything right and still have something horrible happen to you, and that's the reality of life. And the quicker we get to be okay with that, I think the more then we realize like, oh, my hope is not in my preparation, my wise planning, my steps of security. And sure, all this stuff matters. You know, my hope is not in my resume, my college education, my financial planning, my nest egg. Like all that can be taken away. And like Jesus preaches this over and over and over again. Don't treasure things that can be stolen, that can rust, that can be taken away. Treasure other things, treasure things that will last forever. And this, there's this that seems so threatening to us, but it's like this invitation to go like, hey, there's a place where you can put your hope and you'll never your hope will never be put to shame. And there's a place where you can find help and it'll always come through with you. And, and there's something that is lasting. And just can, can you look to that? And my hope is that through all of this, you know, the, the stripping away can be painful and the, and the shaking of the foundations can be scary. But maybe we'll come through this. And I, I, that's, I believe what God's doing in my life. Maybe we'll come through this more able to do that like we'll see the folly of treasuring things that are impermanent and we'll look for the things that last forever and like we'll see that as a as a actually instead of a you read those passages as threatening of being like well i don't i don't want to let go of my earthly treasure jesus i don't know if your treasures are as good and we just go like oh i i get it like no matter how good it is here this there's no security here but with you there's security so yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, and yeah, maybe just as a as a good note to to end on because we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, yeah, that if this can if this can spark anything in someone is that it's that everyone right now is in a shipwreck. Everyone is feeling anxious, scared, uh, which means everyone needs someone to be willing to stand on the deck with them and and just show them a little bit of compassion. Even if even if you're dealing with your own junk, your own your own shipwreck at the time, that that's that's a way that we can be a blessing to the world, regardless. It's just a little bit of compassion towards them. 
Um, well, thanks for that, Dion, and thanks uh, for being here, Sean. Uh, I want to wrap up on, on time today because I also want to let people know that this is going to be our last unscripted for a while. We're going to go on hiatus through the holidays just because life is busy uh, and also because I'm on vacation uh, for some of it. So um, so we will plan on picking back up uh, after the holidays, but for those of you that have been joining us, we're so glad that you've been getting something out of this, and I hope that this continues to spark you in the conversations that you have. Uh, as the holidays are coming up, I know you're going to be having a lot of opportunities for some interesting conversations with people uh, around the table uh, or over the Zoom turkey, however you do Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. So, um, so I hope that you're encouraged that uh, you don't have to have the right answers, but maybe with a little bit of compassion, a little bit of humility, uh, you can have truly life-changing conversations with people around you. So with that, with that word of optimism and encouragement, I hope that you have uh, a great week, great month, great holiday season, and we'll see you on Unscripted sometime in the near future. Have a great day.